and welcome to Discuss, a podcast which tries to encourage open and honest conversation around various topics and social issues. This podcast is hosted by me, Hayley Rose Dean. Each week, I'll be inviting a guest onto my podcast to have a discussion around a different topic that's relevant and relatable in the world today. If you do enjoy listening, then I'd really appreciate some encouragement and feedback in the form of rating and reviewing this episode, which takes just a few minutes of your time. You can subscribe to stay up to date with the latest episodes, and it also really helps others to find the podcast. Now, let's get on with the episode. Today, my guest is the wonderful Charlotte. She's an NHS midwife who is deeply passionate about her job and is going to tackle some taboo issues and myths around childbirth. As a result of her job, she has seen a lot of vaginas and wants to help start a conversation to destigmatize that area of the female body. We talk about why society finds it so difficult to talk about vaginas and how we just aren't taught the full extent of their functionality, as well as why we expect them to look a certain way. Charlotte is one of my best friends and we've had so many brilliant conversations over the years and I've always felt lucky that I can turn to her with any fanny related queries or burning questions about birthing children. I'm so happy that she came on the podcast to discuss these things openly. It's a brilliant, informative and fun episode which I'm confident that anyone with a vagina will find relatable and if you don't have a vagina then I can guarantee you'll find it very educational. Just a quick reminder that the episode was recorded at the start of the year before the coronavirus pandemic had started, so it won't be referenced to at all throughout the episode. But I would like to use this opportunity to quickly give the biggest thank you shout out and just express my utter admiration to all NHS staff like Charlotte, who are working tirelessly for us right now. There will never be enough words to express the gratitude felt by myself and everyone else for everything that you and all the key workers have done throughout this pandemic. So thank you and I hope you enjoy this episode. Charlotte, welcome to Discuss. Thanks for coming on, even though you feel very nervous, I know. Very nervous. Which it's is fine. weird because it's just a, it's just a discussion. It's just a chat. So me it's and fine. Charlotte have been friends for a long time. Like ages. I was going to say 15 years, but I feel like... We've definitely known each other for 15 years. Yeah, it was definitely early in secondary school at some point. Yeah, It's quite hard to pinpoint when we actually started liking each other rather than seeing each other in the corridor. Yeah, like when we actually became friends yeah. as opposed to just being people who went to the yeah, same school. Yeah, everyone knows each other in school, don't they? But yeah. Then so, we became buddies. So we don't really need an icebreaker, but something that I'm asking everyone to do on the podcast is recommend something to read, something to watch and something to listen to. Can you recommend these things? So read. Yeah. Um, you know about this. So Adam Kay has written two books. I've only um, read one, which is called This Is Going To Hurt. Um, and I have had a massive laugh reading it. So it's the only book I have read that has actually made me laugh out loud. I've never read a book before, which has made me laugh. So, And it's really relatable as well to me. So... Adam Kay, um, he doesn't practice as a doctor anymore, but his um, speciality was obstetrics and gynaecology. So basically, as I'm a midwife, I work with obstetric doctors. So all of his stories are mostly um, in my um, area of expertise. So 
it was just hilarious. And most people who read it can probably read it and still laugh. Mm. But because I know some more stuff about it, like it was even more funny. So I love that. I want to read his second book, which was, um, it's called Twas the Night Shift Before Christmas. And I've put it on my birthday list. I'm hoping someone's going to buy it for me. So I'm really sorry, but your birthday present is literally behind us and I did not buy that for you. (laughs) (laughs) It's all right. You didn't know. I've told a few people, so I'm probably going to get like three of them now. Um, so to watch, um, I have, the last thing I went to see at cinema was a film called The Gentleman. I know a lot of people have, has raved about it. I like, I quite like, um, gangster films and, um, you know, films that are drug related, (laughs) drug dealers. Um, but it's quite a good modern take on, you know, um, you know, like the old classics, which are really good. Guys like it, but I think women can like it as well. Like, it's funny. I really want to see that. Yeah. And it's seen in a very different light compared to like the really well-spoken and dreamy (laughs) man he is. This time he's throwing the C-bomb about every sentence. And um, yeah, so it's quite a good film. Um, And a lot of people, like I think three people said to me before I even went to watch it that... Um, we should go and see it. And not many people rave about the same film. So that's a good one to see. Cool. And then listen to, that's a hard one. Like I generally just whack on my iTunes and just listen to playlists, but I'm just a massive obsessive over Ed Sheeran. So anything Ed Sheeran, I love all his albums. Actually, I remember back in your old house, so when we were in our very early teens, I remember the 18, 18 was out. And I had no idea who Ed Sheeran was. And I swear you told me who he was. I think you were the first person to tell me who he was. I'll yeah, definitely honestly. take that. <laughs> honestly, it's all because of you. <laughs> so the reason I wanted to do a podcast with Charlotte is because me and Charlotte over the years have had so many interesting conversations that I feel like I can talk to most people about anything. But I would say out of my friends, like you've been the most responsive when I've wanted to talk about female anatomy. <laughs> I'm like your personal vagina therapist you are like (laughs) whenever something's going wrong with my fanny like the first thing I do is text Charlotte before I seek any kind of medical (laughs) advice although Charlotte is a medical person she's an NHS midwife she's literally my vagina therapist like (laughs) I'll text her I remember the first time I had thrush yeah and texting you being like my fanny's really itchy it's burning like something's wrong what's, what's going, going on, on? <laughs> and you were like I think it's it sounds like thrush like I always seek you out and but on a serious note I've always felt really lucky and privileged that we've had that relationship mm. that I can do that and even yeah. pre you being a midwife when we were at school I felt like you were the first person I really spoke to about down there like yeah. I don't think many people have that no, and it's really important to be open, like with your friends, well, with everything, but with your friends, like if you just think there's something wrong with you and then you keep it in and you can't tell anyone, then you're going to lose your mind and Google something and think you've got, you know, something that's going to kill you. So it's good to be open. Yeah. And like, I've always been a really open person, as you know, like, <laughs> you know, be really comfortable and I'll, I'll whack my top, top off, get my tits out whenever I can. <laughs> like, that's just me. <laughs> And actually, like, anyone who knows me knows that about me. Like, I'm I'm very, like, non-judgmental and, like, you know, I'll accept anything. I but. think you're very unfiltered, which is why I always, I also thought it would be really good to get you to come on here because yeah. I knew that you would be op- not only open to it, but I knew that you would 
be the same as if we didn't have microphones in this weird intimidating setup right in front of us as well yeah so you're an NHS midwife now what was it like for you the first time you started having to learn medically about vaginas like was it weird for you um I don't think it was weird um like go it took me two years to get into the training so it's quite hard to get into midwife training um and in that preparation I sort of prepared myself for everything and anything um so it wasn't really weird um obviously then going on to the the hands-on training where then you'd start to like have to examine ladies like that was quite odd to get used to but more because I was more paranoid about what women felt the ones that I was examining Mm. um because it was a new thing for me like to me I didn't really mind as much but I cared more about what they thought yeah so um it was fine really it wasn't really a shock to the system I think I remember very vividly the one thing that shocked me with regards to vaginas when I first started training was the first episiotomy I saw and that was where an episiotomy is where we have to um cut the perineum which is the skin between your vagina and your bum hole ah the gooch yeah (laughs) (laughs) that lovely bit of skin there so we cut at a 45 degree angle when we want to help the baby to come out quicker right is that to avoid women tearing um usually we do it so with instrumental delivery so a suction cup or a forceps we use it all the time just to help um basically the pump the baby to come easier right and obviously we have to put instruments on the baby's head so um it just sort of helps the opening rather than causing a, a worse tear mm-hmm. um but also we would do it if um there was any distress with the baby so with regards to the baby's heartbeat we would then um cut just to make the baby come quicker so yeah sort of we have to make that call really midwives try not to do it as much because we're doctors are more used to doing it midwives right. sort of there's some midwives that have been practicing for years and years and have never done one um, and they come in batches. So yeah, I remember the first time I saw one and it was quite shocking to me because, and then seeing a vagina when it needs to be stitched up, that was even more shocking because I thought, how the hell do you know where everything goes back together again? It just looked completely different <laughs> to what a normal vagina looked like. Um, but obviously as I learned more and with experience, you just look at it, you know, where everything goes you know the vagina back to front literally <laughs> you have to, no pun intended in and out you know everything so um yeah that was like I know I remember that very vividly okay so you said something then what does a normal vagina look like there is no normal I know this is what I feel like people yeah. need to hear but you refer I know that when you refer to a normal vagina you weren't I know you so I know you weren't envisaging like some perfect porn star vagina in your head pre-birth vagina there we go that's what I meant the pre-birth vagina it looked different from what it looked like before but normal there is no normal um your vagina is your normal your normal so your vagina is not going to be the same as my vagina and there'll probably be no other person in the whole wide world that has the same vagina as you they come in all shapes and sizes you could probably have a whole argos catalogue full of pictures of vaginas and you'll be in there and they will not look any the same Mm. you can't order the same one so I remember someone comparing it once to boobs with me like no one expects everyone's boobs to look the same and out of all the boobs I've seen on women (laughs) over the years (laughs) through like friends 
gym changing rooms, TV, everything. Like no one's boobs looks the same, but I feel like we all have an image of what a vagina is supposed to look like. I know I certainly do, not anymore, but I did growing up to the extent that it gave me a huge hang up. And why do you think that is? And do you find in your job, like do women, do you find in your job, what always interests me is like, because you're down there looking, do women feel like it's an invitation to start a a wider conversation about stuff? So I feel like we grow up thinking there's only one kind of vagina you should have and that that is the only right vagina to have because we're not really taught about it I think it's sort of become a bit of a taboo and you know when you're going through sex education when you're going through that hormonal change um at school it's all about guys and their willies and actually you don't learn anything about the vagina Mm -hmm. and all really that is passed around on phones as you probably see like a glimpse of porn or guys showing you like a glimpse of like a naked woman and they all have the perf what they would say is the perfect vagina so a shaven vagina with all tucked in lips um and that's all you see on porn so no wonder why we all grow up thinking that is how we should be um and then that causes so many insecurities for women but also it gives men the image that we should all look that way as well yeah so men really need to educate themselves as well um and then women then don't want to talk about it no between each other because they think oh well my friend's probably got a perfect vagina yeah oh yeah I remember thinking that like yeah. I remember this like the shame that I've carried with what my vagina looks like and what my like my idea of what I think it should look like and I remember being younger and like I remember being like genuinely to the point where I was scared and felt like should I be making a doctor's appointment because there's something wrong with my vagina because I thought like you just said we should have this neat like lips all tucked in per vagina um, and what a lot of people don't know, which I only learned, and I should have Googled the statistics because I'm going to get them wrong. But um, the majority of people in porn have had labiaplasty surgery. So labiaplasty is when they literally do tuck everything in and up. Yeah. It's actually a really like, um, it's definitely 100% cosmetic. There's absolutely no medical reason why you would need that um, because it can leave you in like permanent pain. And there's really frightening statistics for how much that surgery is on the increase. Mm. Um, And it just really worries me because I feel like, oh, have we not moved on? Like, are we still not talking about it enough that like young women and like girls are still growing up the way that I did thinking something's wrong with my vagina because it's not all neat and tidy like I think it's supposed to be yeah no I agree like I used to I used to be very paranoid and I used to think I didn't have a normal vagina I remember actually seeing a program when I was younger about labiaplasty and um but what really sort of struck home was how painful it was for these women Mm. in the recovery process bleeding and (sighs) soreness and you're still weeing down there you're still having your periods you're still having to wipe like you know if you don't need that surgery don't have it I do know that some people potentially do go on to have it because they do have actual issues if they're um if the lips sometimes rub so much it actually causes pain Uh, I think sometimes electively they can go through with it um but I don't really know that much about it but I grew up like completely thinking my vagina was not the perfect image that you would be plastered on a, a porn site um but then actually as I've grown up and then as I met my husband 
um, started my job. Like I see vaginas day in, day out and they are completely different. And there is not one day that I go home and I can ne- I wouldn't be able to tell you what the last vagina looked like. It is literally, it goes straight out of my head. Mm. Like Because every vagina is the same. They all have the same parts. They just look a bit different. They hang a bit different. Sometimes they're a different colour. Some are more hairy than others, but they all do the same job. Do you remember the first time I asked you to look at my vagina? Yeah. yeah. Do you actually remember? I remember yeah. it so clearly. Yeah. yeah. And I, I don't mind. So I remember it as being in a club yeah. in, um, in Newmarket. Newmarket. <laughs> and you were not long. I think you weren't even qualified. You were training. We were young. It was ages. You must have been doing your training. Yeah. And I remember being like, Charlotte, you must have seen enough of them now. There's something really wrong with my fanny and I don't know what I should do because I think I need surgery. Like this bit needs chopping off it. And like I remember spilling all this stuff to you. And no, it's not, it's not. I was like, no, you need to look at it. Yeah. And I remember just like being like, no, look. And it was so refreshing to have someone. I don't think my vagina had ever been looked at other than for a sexual or medical reason. But I feel like... I've been, I'd been fortunate enough at that stage in my life, you know, I'm talking, I was, I think we were about 19, 20, like no one had really medically needed to look at my vagina. I think maybe when I was like a young girl, I might have had some sort of like skin, skin irritation once down there. Mm. I remember like, you know, when you're a girl and you get irritated, you have to put cream on and I feel like maybe a doctor looked at it at some point then. But so yeah, everything I had was, was sexual. So I didn't know what people thought and I didn't have the language or the confidence to ask my sexual partners at that age yeah oh what do you think of down there (laughs) because I just thought oh they've not complained it's fine it's fine yeah and you sort of even at that age as well like you don't you don't really want anyone to see you naked not even your boyfriend at that time you don't want to see you naked like if you are having sexual intercourse like you don't want to do it with the light on like oh god you you just wish they don't like say anything like you said and you sort of ignore it um but, you know, willies come in all shapes and sizes. Like, mm. men don't mind getting their willies out, talking about their willies. I know. They wee next to each other in urinals, like you said before. Yeah, like, we, so we were talking before about how, like, I was just saying to Charlotte, why is it that the like the penis imagery is so accepted in society? Mm. Even down to when you're at school, someone thinks it's really funny to draw a dick on your, yeah. on your maths workbook. <laughs> and they think it's really funny, but then you would never do that about vaginas and you can't, you know, I don't really know why that is. I have a good idea of why that is because I feel like you don't see female bodies. Yeah. Like you just don't see them. You don't see them on TV. Like unless you actively seek out porn or you've grown up in a, in a, in a household where everyone is very open and you do see people naked. Like I used to see my mum naked as a kid, but I remember other kids used to think that was really weird. Yeah, yeah. So like it just depends on the household you're brought yeah. up in. And then there kind of comes an age where you stop seeing your parents naked. Like, do you know what I mean? Yeah. You know, when you're little and like for me, it was really normal when I was little. And then there kind of comes an age probably around puberty. I didn't pay that much attention at the time as it was happening when you stop seeing your parents naked and they kind of stop seeing you naked which is like fine and I like I think that's appropriate but also it means you stop seeing vaginas so I just never saw them and I think it's that thing like when you go to the gym and I'm I still have friends now and they're like yeah you know when you go to the gym and there's always those women that just like strip naked and I'm like that's me (laughs) I don't bish out (laughs) (laughs) that is me like I don't care anymore like I'm 27 years old and I've done my 
own work on that area of my body. What is the worst that's going to happen? Someone's, some, no one's going to walk up to you and say, oh my God, you're funny looks horrible like <laughs> what is the worst that's going to happen if you've got your fanny out no there's no police that's going to come in and arrest you you're probably mm. not going to see these people ever again no. and who cares I know it's just so funny though isn't it and I feel like men stand in urinals and I'm not saying men stand and look but like you must accidentally get glimpses of things and you're just more used to that like even you know I've heard things about when men play football and then they all go in the communal showers together yeah. and they're all just naked and it's not a big deal but with women that's just never yeah. that's never a thing so I think it's more that we're just not used to seeing vaginas yeah. like they're this like secret stigmatized part of the female body Definitely. and we don't you know like it should not be seen or heard <laughs> exactly and it makes us feel uncomfortable for our adulthood which mm. you know some people are not confident and like when we had that phone call like very long phone call not that long ago when we we're talking about smears like yeah this can then affect you going for screening for um your smear test and you know they're such important things and mm. if this imagery we and how things are put across to us if we're growing up with that that's then going to affect our health in the future by not accessing these screening um tools then that's a massive thing like yeah. we've got to start learning to love our bodies and accept it how it is and you know just embrace yourself embrace your vagina <laughs> but we really do we do it's interesting like so speaking of that and like examinations and I know people not going for their smears is a really big issue have you ever encountered in your um job where someone's had an issue with you examining them based on um, a discomfort or a shame of their vagina like is that something you've ever come across no to be brutally honest no one has um not with the em- embarrassment um or yeah shame, I understand there's other it. reasons yeah. yeah um usually if there are if there is um a, if they don't want to have it done then it is usually like history of some sort of abuse that mm-hmm. they've had which is absolutely understandable um but I've never actually had anyone who would decline examination because they're embarrassed about down below but I do see women who are who are embarrassed yeah. when I'm examining they say they're happy for the examination but they are still it doesn't take away from the fact there's a new person looking at them and about to mm-hmm. do a very invasive examination um but what surprises me sometimes is that they are actually quite embarrassed in front of their partner Mm. um and you know they we put a sheet over them to preserve the dignity but sometimes they send their partners out the room they don't want them to look down below Mm. not even when I've even started examining so it does make you wonder like actually in your sex life like are you actually comfortable with your own vagina like um so yeah that that sometimes that shocks me but you know everyone's different um it would be nice if everyone like is more comfortable with their body but then you don't know exactly what they've been through at all before no and it's interesting isn't it because I feel like part of the problem with the vagina is it's this hypersexualized organ like we only think of it as like in terms of sex or childbirth you don't think but you don't look at a penis not that you're gonna look at a penis for childbirth but you don't look at a penis and <laughs> if think, only oh, they can <laughs> yeah you don't think oh a penis is just for sex like yeah. you don't see it like that and I think that that's kind of part of the problem and what we were just saying you know no one sees vaginas people aren't very comfortable walking around naked in changing rooms yeah out of all my friends you're the only one that is actually no I have one other friend who is comfortable being completely naked yeah with me yeah like where and I find that actually a lot of my friends don't mind me seeing their boobs, but yeah. they're not their vagina. 
And like, it's not even like, you know, I'm saying let's all sit in a circle (laughs) and let's all have a look. It's just, I'm just talking like getting dressed if you stay in a hotel overnight or if you're going around someone's and you're going on a night out and they're getting changed or you go swimming together. I don't know, just any situation. They just really don't want you to see that part. And um, we were talking about, so Charlotte got married last, oh it's not even last year anymore because it's 2020 now (laughs) so Charlotte got married um in 2018 and we all stayed in like a hotel the night before us and all the bridesmaids and me and Charlotte were in the bathroom just naked like wandering around having a shower whatever um and it's like we were saying the other bridesmaids just didn't know where to look or what to do but it's just so normal to me and you we sat in the bath tub together didn't we on your wedding morning oh was that that was the morning yeah on your wedding morning we had a bath together yeah just naked (laughs) like because why would you have a bath like clothes like I don't I didn't feel the need to sit in my bikini because it's you like it's you exactly and I think that's just like it highlights the stigma even more like we were saying before you know a lot of the time you hear about men having communal showers where it's just like a block and they all just stand naked and have a shower and no one cares but when I tell people like oh yeah me and Charlotte had like a bath the morning of our wedding it's really funny and like really nice and they're like weird (laughs) I don't know sometimes I'm like because it's so sexualized like I feel like I don't know is it because people literally are like you know when you're at school like oh that's a bit lesbo like, yeah. I feel like it's yeah. a really um, homophobic thing, like yeah. a weird homophobia thing. Like, against, oh, you like, must be lesbian. You must be looking yeah. at each other's vaginas. Yes, like, like at school, no. we never would have. Do you know what yeah. I mean? Like, and I remember at school, if you did anything like weird, not weird, like anything slightly different. So if you got changed in front of each mm. other or when, you know, when you're in the pee room and like everyone's looking like, yeah. oh, why are you looking at my bum for? Are you lesbian? Yeah, yeah. And sometimes I think like, does that run that deep into adulthood? Like, is it that... Is that yeah. what it is? Because sometimes mm. when people look at me a certain way, like, is that not weird that you had a bath with your best friend? I can't help but think, like, what are you thinking? Yeah. Like, are you trying to yeah, suggest that be something? Weird? Yeah, like, yeah. why would that be weird? Yeah, in any case. Like... It, yeah, in any ca- case. And I just I just find it an interesting thing. Like like you said, going back to school, like, oh, are you, like, are you lesbians? Yeah. And like that sort of homophobic thing that runs yeah. deep. And it does seem to be like, this thing and obviously because like the girl on girl thing I think I might be wrong is like the most searched for porn search like I think I might have that wrong but if not it's definitely top three I was listening to a podcast about it recently and like I'm sure girl on girl porn is like the number one search my god so I just feel like does it all come back to you know how we were saying like vaginas does it all come the stigma all come back to porn where like girls naked together must mean sexual attraction like it must mean it's because that's all mostly people see like you say like we we never see naked people like yeah so then when people do see two girls naked together it's in porn like that's so that's what they think so then when we go and say oh yeah we had a bath together in the morning Charlotte's wedding they can't help it's like that deeply ingrained in them but do you th- do you think people are um, not comfortable to be naked in front of people because actually they're not comfortable with themselves? Like they don't mm. know what their own vagina actually properly looks like. Like if people don't really know themselves, then they're probably not going to be comfortable enough to be open with other people. Like some people aren't just open enough for themselves. Like do people know what a vulva is? Do people know where their clitoris is? Do they people know that they've got a clitoral hood? 
Yeah. Do they know what that skin is between their vagina and their bum hole? Like, do you know your vagina? Like, some if you're not comfortable probably enough with yourself, like, you're not going to be comfortable. If you don't know yourself, yeah. you're probably not going to be comfortable to share yourself with no. other people. And to be honest, if I'm completely honest, I feel like I'm more comfortable in front of you because part of your medical profession is seeing vaginas like maybe even on a subconscious level I'm trying to like really think about it now you know how often would I just be comfortable stripping naked in front of my other friends and I kind of would but also you know I'll get out the shower and then put like my knickers on and walk around topless happily like I don't have I've never had a issue with what my boobs look like I know a lot of women do but for me personally it's never been an issue um but I have had an issue that has ran deep about what my vagina looks like. So maybe like, maybe I'm being a bit hypocritical because maybe it's because it's you that I feel so comfortable because I know that you're not judging it because it is normal because you know there's no normal when it comes to a vagina. But going back to the, do you know your vagina? I honestly don't. Like I know I don't. Like I sit and watch the documentaries and I've read like some books where people have kind of touched on this as a subject. I have never got a mirror and like sat with my legs spread and had a look at my vagina. And I've never, I never knew until... See, that surprises me. I thought you would have. No, I know. Honestly, I I thought you would have. No, I've never done it. Ah. I don't like, I don't like looking down there. So... I still have an issue with it. So I've got some homework for you. (laughs) And I've got homework for everyone who's listening. Get a little handheld mirror. It doesn't have to be, be a massive, massive mirror. Either lay on your bed, lock the door if you want to, <laughs> lay, lay on your bed on your back, spread your legs and put your mirror there. Or go into the bathroom, put your foot up onto the toilet, one foot on the toilet and put your mirror there and have a look at your bits. Mm. Get to know your bits. Also, like, how are you ever going to know if you have an infection down below? How, do you, how are you going to know if anything is abnormal if, you know, you've got... Um, any new spots or anything down below if anything's going wrong if you don't know actually what's normal for your vagina Mm. like get to know your vagina like prod it move bits about have a look no I don't know why I've never done it and you know what every time I watch one of those things so recently I've watched Gwyneth Paltrow's um, Goop Lab and the third episode on that is about like vaginas and the female orgasm and they strongly recommend kind of getting the mirror get to know yourself And I just can't bring myself to do it. Like every time I just can't bring myself to do it. And that just shows how deep like a shame over a body part can run. Because for so many years, I hated that part of myself. And that part of myself, I was so scared of um, the reaction or judgment to anyone who saw it. But outside of a doctor or you, the only people that were going to see it were sexual partners. And I remember like my biggest worry about having a new sexual partner used to be what they would think of my vagina. Like not whether they would know what to do with my vagina or whether I was going to have fun or have a good time. It was literally what are they going to think about what it looks like. And I felt like that before. But I remember who is my husband now when I met him, I was I'd gone from a past relationship where I felt really subconscious and for some reason something just clicked in my head and I just thought do you know what if he doesn't like it he knows where to go so Mm. first time we have sex I'll have the light on I'm gonna spread my legs he can have a full frontal look at it (laughs) and if he doesn't like it he knows where to go because at least I find out in the beginning and I'll just be comfortable with myself and that is what I did which is amazing but do you think that confidence came with um 
partly with your job and like being exposed to so many vaginas and thinking, well, if I've, I've seen a hell of a lot more than him. So like, he's definitely seen like any vaginas he's seen are going to all look different. And mine's just going to be another one to a different thing. Like, I'm phrasing that really badly. No, (laughs) Do you know what I mean? Do you think it's partly because of that? Because I feel like that would give me more confidence, I guess, if it was part of my job. Yeah. And it's just like, it is seeing vaginas all the time and knowing Mm. how different they are. But that wouldn't be any different to you looking at, going online, looking at a different vagina every day. That would just help you to accept that everyone is different. And it has 100% changed how I feel about my own vagina in my job. Really? Honestly, I have seen every shape and size you can think of of Mm. vaginas. Um, And I'm just part of that. You know, we can't help how we're born. Um, It still does the same job. Everyone can still have sex. Everyone has a baby through their vagina. Everyone has a period out of the vagina. You still urinate out your urethra. You mm-hmm. still have a poo out your bum hole. Everyone does the same thing. Yep. So it's just the external bit. So we just got to accept. Yeah, I know. And it's funny because you were talking about like, obviously you're the sort of medical things, the words that you're using come second nature to you. But when you were talking about vulvas and, you know, different bits and pieces, like, we shouldn't even call it a vagina, should we? No. It should be a vulva. It is I just vulva. can't get used to it. Vulva's a bit of an odd, it's a bit of an odd word. I yeah. yeah, it doesn't roll off the tongue. It doesn't roll off the tongue. And a lot of people find it really odd. But your vulva is basically everything on the outside. So mm. all your lips, everything you can see, all the external stuff is your vulva. That's like the general umbrella turn. Right. Your vagina is the inside tube. Your birth canal, right? Yeah, where you put your tampon in, where the where the penis goes in, mm-hmm. um, where your fingers might go in. That is your vagina. Right. Your vulva is on the outside. And obviously then your vulva um, consists of different parts. Yeah. So your outside lips, so the thicker lips, mm-hmm. the ones on the outside that you have hair on. Yeah. That's your, so they are your labia but they are your labia majora. Okay. They've got lovely names. And then the lips on the inside, which are the lips that most people get really paranoid about. These are the lips that sometimes can dangle down. They can be neatly tucked in. One side can be longer than the other. Um, They might be a pink color. They might be a little brown color tinge. Yeah. So they're called, they're also labia, but they're your labia minora. Um, And they are usually the bits that people get a bit um self-conscious about but they come in all shapes and sizes and they have jobs they you know the job is to protect your vagina that's what they're there for and actually I believe that the labia minora does play a part in sexual arousal um and playing a part of um having an orgasm and yeah having fun while you're um, not just from someone playing with it, but obviously the nerve endings in it. Well, I learned from this Scoop Lab and also it was mentioned on another documentary that I'd watched not that long ago, the 100 Vaginas one that you recommended oh, yeah. to me. And they were showing like, um, they've only not that long ago discovered the actual, what the clitoris is like, sort of like, it's like a T. It's like a yeah T sort of shape, yeah. like a wish, like a tiny yeah. wishbone. And how it's so much bigger than they thought. And hasn't it got, it's got something ridiculous, like a thousand times more 
nerve endings than a penis. Yeah. That's probably really wrong. That's probably the wrong statistic. There is. But it it has a lot more than a penis does. I mean, God, we are so lucky that we have one part of our bodies that have been made for one thing. And that one thing is an orgasm. It's pleasure. There is no other reason to have a clitoris apart from it giving you an orgasm. Mm. It is basically our, our penis. Yeah. So, you know, when you're develop when you're developing in the womb, it sort of stems from the same bit. So Right. W- this that is our penis. So, when we get aroused, our clit will go hard and it will enlarge. But actually, it extends back into our body, so it is much larger than we think it is. It's like no one t- like no one told me this. Like I remember my friend, one of my friends, um I won't say no, recently was like, um I think she must have watched something or read something, you know what I mean? And she was like and she's 30 years old and she was like, did you know that when you're turned on, your clit literally gets its own boner? <laughs> and I was like, what? <laughs> no, I did not know that because no one taught me that. Yeah. And I think a lot of the problem, like with me, I always say like I'm the biggest advocate for sex education needs to be better in schools for girls like for teaching us about our bodies I felt Mm -hmm. like in school they taught me the biology of my body so they taught me why I have a period when to expect it um they taught me where a penis goes so that I can have a baby and how a baby will be conceived and then how it will come out other than that no one taught me about sexual pleasure with my body they taught me no they I no they didn't tell me what a clitoris was no. like I had no idea yeah. at all what to do like nothing and it's it's got to come from that it's got to come from that and I remember thinking now I'm older I'm like you're telling me I had to sit and learn about wet dreams <laughs> yeah and you couldn't tell me I had a clitoris and were those um classes taught by men by any chance probably <laughs> yeah. I, I honestly can't remember I feel like I just zoned out of anything sex education because the whole concept was so embarrassing yeah. I feel like I really just tuned out of it and didn't pay much attention and I feel like most of what I thought sex was was probably from what I saw in films. Yeah. Like I didn't really used to watch porn as a kid. Like sometimes, I don't know if this is like, I feel like this is a common thing that happens at girls sleepovers. Like you used to go around to a girl's house to sleep over. There'd be maybe like five or six of you and you used to like take over the living room and sleep in the living room. And years ago when me and Charlotte were like teenagers and you couldn't have access to stuff all the time you there was a channel on the tv that would come on like late at night like one porn channel (laughs) and like but like everyone had it like it's not like houses signed up to it like everyone had I'm sure it was sex extra or something yeah and so we used to put that on and like yeah I think it was really funny but we put it on like to laugh at not to become aroused it wasn't a lesson for us it was more (laughs) like just funny Um, yeah definitely but no one taught me anything and so I feel like everything I've learned has just been through experimentation like myself with and again like you keep referring back to sort of your husband like I'm not married but my partner now like until I was with him I just don't think I ever was very comfortable and so I think and I think I'm very lucky to have that now yeah but also I think oh like but also quite sad that it took until I got with him to fill in a position that I could ask things or say things or like explore certain things and not feel ashamed I think it's men's responsibility as well to make us feel comfortable as well oh yeah and actually like that goes down to their education if they grow up watching porn and then they're you know we don't get as a whole we don't get taught about 
the clitoris mm-hmm. how are they going to know about the clitoris so no wonder why like a lot of women don't get orgasms all the time oh yeah and like, like the orgasm rate for things like penetrative sex so like I remember thinking when I fir- like when I first had sex or like became sexually active and it was really new to me I remember thinking like oh well my vagina's broken because I don't have orgasms yeah. but that's because the statistics for how many women orgasm through penetrative sex is so low like so low it's all to do with the clitoris get the clit involved like, guys yes. <laughs> get the clit involved but like you said if no one's educating the men and I also like not only is no one educating the men but I didn't know yeah. like I was the female yeah. and I didn't know and I thought there was something wrong with me because I thought that you know a penis would go in my vagina it would feel amazing and we'd both come together and that would be it because that's <laughs> what Hollywood ending. teaches us <laughs> I know it's too like unrealistic isn't it but you know if you if you do your homework and you have a look at your vagina and you find where your clitoris is then if your partner doesn't know where your clitoris is tell them where it is and then Mm. you can get pleasure like most a lot of men probably don't know about the bait how your vagina should look and where things are like you'd be surprised how many men don't so you know Tell them where it is. I think something that's happened in the sort of this fourth wave of feminism a lot as well is people have said, if you don't know what you like, how can you tell anyone else what you like? And I remember, you know, being at school and things like the thought of female masturbation was actually thought of as disgusting. Yeah. Like it was a disgusting thing to do. You should like a dirty thing to do. And so I feel like there's this big movement now. Like there's a movement, there's a hashtag called like girls wank too. And it's like, (laughs) but that's important to like open up these conversations because these stigmas and everything we've talked about starts so young. Yeah. And it is so ingrained in you from such a young age. Like... I, I just wish there's so much now at 27 that I wish I could have told like 15 year old me. Definitely. <laughs> I completely agree, especially with everything I know and the experience I have now, like just be comfortable with yourself. And I think if you're comfortable with yourself, then you are more confident as a person mm. and then you can, you know, stick up for yourself more. You feel more empowered in every aspect of your life. So, you know, especially with like things like consensual sex and stuff like be confident in yourself be confident to say no know when you know no it things are enough and you know don't feel like you have to be dragged into things so you know it's all about being comfortable with yourself and being empowered I completely agree and how do you so like kind of going back to your job and we've talked a lot about medical examinations and I know how daunting it is and I'm not someone anymore who is embarrassed by my vagina but my heart was racing the first time I went for my smear test Mm. and like I was you know anxious which is completely natural and normal but you have to deal with women going into childbirth like Mm. that's a massive responsibility and you know I always feel like childbirth should be such an empowering thing is it something you try and channel in your job absolutely and I think that should be the basis of every midwives day is trying to encourage women to feel even at their most weakest and vulnerable time they're actually the most strongest Mm. and um 
powerful human beings they can be at that point like they are delivering a human being into this world and they're going through so much pain to get to that point yeah but their body is naturally doing it like there there is no other amazing thing in the world apart from giving birth to a child and it is the midwife's job to be with that woman to make her feel empowered and to know that she's doing everything right and just to keep going and I've got such a lucky job like I you know I thank the gods every day I can be there for women and it's not not everyone has the same experience but god every woman should feel so proud when they've had a baby doesn't matter what kind of way they've had their baby c-section vaginal birth instrumental like they should be so proud of what their body's done just to grow a human oh my gosh I'm so in awe I feel like when I was younger I I remember the day that the tv got wheeled into my year six classroom (laughs) to show us a video of a screaming woman with her legs spread and blood on her head and I remember being so scared and it really and I feel like I honestly feel like it was a scare tactic I, I truly do um but now I just am in awe and I love watching people give birth like you know on tv if there's a program on or um speaking to pregnant people Mm. I love um there's a page that I follow um and it's a photographer she's a birth photographer out in um Texas somewhere I can't remember the name of her page and she takes photos at birth and I love it like I love seeing that imagery and they're always different like sometimes she hones in on the women sometimes it's a pure like head coming out of vagina shot and I'm just like wow like you put your body through that I think birth photographers are amazing. Actually, I've looked at this recently. I'm not. Ha- I'm not pregnant. I'm having a baby, but um, I would really love a birth photographer. Me too. And I've flicked through a few websites because, oh my god, the raw emotion mm-hmm. that it shows. Yes, like, it captures the small things that sometimes I can't even see when I'm looking after a woman. Mm-hmm. You know, like her, like squeezing her toes underneath her and yeah at the height of that contraction and clenching her eyes together and her part like squeezing her partner's hand like it's all part of that process and it's amazing and they can capture it really well um and you know you can you can watch television television programs and see like you know background music and then out comes the baby and you know you just see it as like a quick pro process and stuff yeah but actually there's a lot leading up to that and that woman goes through so much so many changes it's crazy have you had a birth photographer in a birth that you've delivered before no no. have you had a doula um yes I think I've had one doula in a birth um so talk to me about doulas because this seems like a very new thing that I've learned about recently Mm. so a doula is not a midwife a doula is not it's not a medically trained person um and I do believe I'm not quite sure but I do believe they have some sort of regulation of doulas um where they know that they can they have you know their sphere of practice and they know that they can't sort of step outside of that so they cannot be yeah they can't cross over into the midwives um role at all so they are there to support the women 
guide them through things they can do education antenatal education as well so preparing them for birth and telling them what's going to happen um but they can't do any of the antenatal checks they can't obviously do the delivering or do hands-on obviously they can be rubbing their back and holding their hands basically like a birth partner but a very well prepared birth partner Mm -hmm. they can suggest things as well um so you know there is a place for them and they they are really good um but it's obviously they just that's their sphere of practice and we've got our sphere yeah. of practice as no, well. No, I just find it interesting. And there's a couple of common misconceptions around birth that I want to ask you about. So Go one of them it. is poo. Yeah. We like it when you poo. <laughs> <laughs> How many women poo themselves? Um, do you know what? It's not 100% right. So, you know, you're not guaranteed to poo. Basically, your pelvis has is hollow so there is a hole in your pelvis where the baby's head's got to come through yep now you know what size of a baby's head is Mm -hmm. if you imagine that in your pelvis that is not just going to come through your vagina and not affect your rectum so when the baby's head passes down into your pelvis when it gets to a certain point it will flatten your rectum completely there's no space anywhere else for it to go what as it flattens so as it's coming down through your vagina it will flatten your rectum so actually anything in there is going to be pushed out there's no space for it to have poo in there right okay so if you poo then actually that's a good sign to a midwife it means that you're about to have a baby it happens just before you're about to have a baby so as you're pushing you are the baby's head's coming down it's flattening your rectum you're pooing we quickly and very subtly try and take away the poo without making a big fuss about it. And you just keep pushing and have a baby. It's a good sign. So I feel like the most common misconception around that is that most people don't poo themselves. Um, they do poo, absolutely. I just think and that it's, it's another thing that it's like, yeah, there's a shame and it's not that normal. So another thing is about how long labour is. I feel like I don't really know what's normal in terms of labor because some people have long labors some have short labors is it does it vary that much it does vary so it depends whether you've had a baby before if it's your first baby so if it's your first baby this whole new process of labor is a completely completely new thing for your body mm. your bed your body is designed to go through labor but it's not done it before so it can take longer things have got to stretch Um, your body's got to build up to have regular strong contractions when you've had a baby before it's done it before so things happen a lot quicker so we basically we are guided by how dilated your cervix is and and by how many contractions you have in a 10 minute period how strong they are how long they last and that's where we can see what stage of labor you're at now a lot of women will say oh I was in labor for like five days technically it's not quite true. You can have contractions mm-hmm. and not be in established labor. Right. So there are certain stages of labor. You can be at home for a few days where you're contracting on and off. They're not regular. Um, and it's not quite got your, yourself into dilating your cervix. Um, when you're, it's your first baby, once you hit the four centimeters is sort of what we focus on. There's a bit of a debate whether four centimeters and onwards is active labor so that's right. where we give you labor care okay um but from them we're guided by your first baby you should dilate half a centimeter an hour oh okay yeah so if it's your first as well subsequent babies it's 
a centimeter an hour so it's a lot quicker so it's quicker yeah after. a lot quicker it can potentially for your first baby it can potentially take you know 12 14 15 hours it can be a long labor right. they do exist when you've had your first baby already almost certainly you'll have a quicker delivery yeah always and we see that all the time so another thing that I want to know about is placentas and people eating them or getting them turned into those like capsules. Yeah. How common is that? How often do you get asked by someone, can they keep their placenta? Not very common at all. Mm. Um, Sounds like a very Hollywood thing. Sounds like something Gwyneth <laughs> would do. <laughs> there, there are, some people do do it and they plan for it before and then they come prepared with like a box that they want to put the placenta in to preserve it until they then get it made into a capsules or right. whatever they want to do with it. I think I've only have ever had it once where, and I've been a midwife for like five and a half years now. I've only had it one time yeah. where they want to take it away. Um, and, you know, it's their own choice. They can do it if they want to, but um, most women don't. So we just put it in a box mm-hmm. and inc- get it incinerated. So how many babies have you delivered? Oh, my God. Um I'm involved with, so technically delivered, I've probably maybe around 150 myself, but I look after a lot more women in labour. So the women that then go on to have an instrumental. So I'm obviously caring for them throughout that as well. The doctors do the instrumental. So I don't technically class that as my delivery. So when you say instrumental, you mean? Forceps or the suction cup um, on the baby's head called a Vontus. Okay. Um, and then obviously I look after a lot of ladies in labor who then go on to have a C-section. So then I, um, I then still look after them throughout that. So I don't class them as my deliveries either. So I've, I've cared for women during their birth, potentially like 500 more, maybe a lot, a lot. Oh my gosh. How many babies are born a day at your hospital? Oh, sometimes none. Um, we're quite a small. Oh, unit. really? Sometimes mm-hmm. like sometimes none. none. Um, not all the time. Most of the time, there is some babies born. Yeah, I think um, maximum probably around maybe like nine in a day. Yeah. Um, but we tend to have nine's a lot. It is, and we have like we have f- five midwives. We should have on labour ward. Um, during a shift so you know if we do have nine then most of the midwives have had two babies in the shift Mm. my record is four in a shift in a 12 hour shift 12 and a half hour shift four wow yeah that was a busy shift (laughs) I know what else I want to ask you go for it what are the randy times of the year (laughs) (laughs) I feel like there's certain months I have like a lot of friends born in like August and September yeah oh my god (laughs) and I always say is is it really that people's new year starts with a bang like is it that is it that cliche oh oh my god that is such a good joke I don't think it's mine I don't think it's mine I feel Um, like I've probably definitely heard someone else say that but I've never heard that okay maybe it's mine I mean I'll take it but if anyone's listening to this they'll probably be like um you didn't actually say it um yeah it yeah it starts with a bang basically at Christmas and New Year's September is known as the dreaded month for midwives because we're not getting our breaks. We are rushed off our feet. We're delivering a million babies a day because everyone has their baby in September. It is known. Between midwives, it's known. I know a lot of September, like late August or September babies. Yeah, or if they got 
if you go overdue a bit then sometimes in october it goes Mm. over into october yeah it's known it's a known thing and is it true that when 50 shades of gray came out there was a randy time when those movies were i'm saying randy and it makes me feel like a 70 year old randy (laughs) (laughs) horny time um but i remember when it came out and everyone was like oh there's gonna be a big baby boom because 50 shades of gray i can't actually remember you know I can't remember. I know, I remember them coming out and then us sort of thinking, oh yeah, there's going to be an increase in birth rate mm. nine months later. Um, I can't actually remember. I remember that they used to come out around Valentine's Day, those yeah. films. So I feel like, and I feel like that's probably again a popular time anyway, because Valentine's babies would be born Christmas. Yeah, November, December. Yeah. Yeah. And you'd like, that's not an uncommon time for people to have babies. No. I feel like start of December. Yeah. I mean, you go through phases anyway throughout, throughout the year. You'll have mm. busy weeks and then they, it obviously dies off sometimes and it just fluctuates all the time. Maybe it's also because no one's got any money in January. So we're actually just at home having sex. Yeah. And it's Because cold. we can't afford to go out. It's cold outside. <laughs> so get under the covers. It's cold and miserable. <laughs> you got you got to keep warm, haven't you? And cheer yourself up. <laughs> <laughs> that's why it's a cheap day and then expensive nine months later yeah exactly you just sort of pay the price <laughs> what's the most challenging thing about your job oh wow um there are many challenging things i know being yeah, a midwife. um it is a great job but there it's challenging it's not an easy job um sh- well shifts shifts are hard mm. you know go, I go from night shifts to day shifts so just the recovery um of that mixed up sleep pattern mm-hmm. it affects you out of work um that's really challenging um in the job um oh it's difficult. obviously like there are parts of our job which are not all happy so yeah um emotionally it can be challenging I think not so much physically but um emotionally you can come back from a shift and be absolutely drained yeah but as a midwife you put everything everything you have into the women you're looking after um and their families so you know if someone needs a bit more support in labor um if they are particularly anxious in labor struggling a bit more if obviously it's a unfortunate circumstance where someone's lost their baby you put you drain yourself of your emotions Mm -hmm. and give everything to your woman um so that can be quite challenging sometimes um but yeah, there, there are many aspects that are challenging. You've just got to be quite resilient, of course, um, to get through your shifts. And then you just got to have, make sure you can detach when you go home and recover and relax and then give your full self for your next shift. Yeah, so important to wind down after a job like that. So to end, what's the best thing about your job? What do you love the most oh about your job? Oh, when you just asked that, I just got like a rush of goosebumps. I know, I literally saw like your your face lit up when I said that. And <gasps> honestly, just for anyone oh listening, like God. Charlotte has wanted to be a midwife since she was like 40. Like I never, ever remember Charlotte wanting any other career. Yeah. When we were 14, 15, all she wanted to do was be a midwife. So it's not like Charlotte is one of those people that knew what she wanted to do from such a young mm. age. Do you and- know what? It's... Um- I've never, even though I have hard, hard days, I've never regretted doing it. And I cannot still see myself doing anything else. Like I will die being a midwife. But do you know, one of the things I love seeing at work is um, 
parents walking out the door with their baby in their arms yeah. and going home. I absolutely love that. And that that will give me goosebumps. Um, obviously, being that person to be with parents when they first meet their baby mm. is out of this world like it's an honor for me you know most of the time I'm the one that first touches their baby I'm the one that brings the baby up to them but I am the first person in this whole world that has touched their child first even yeah. before that before they have done it and like what gives me the right to do that you know like I've got that honor something else that gets me is if the dads cry oh, oh my god like Does I happen often um not 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 a huge amount um but when it does happen that's the one thing that is going to make me well up yeah it's amazing to see like the parents reaction that first reaction to their baby coming up onto them yeah. is incredible you can't even describe it oh well that gets me on tv it gives me goosebumps thinking <laughs> like it really gets me and that's why I like I love following that page and the birth yeah. photographer and just seeing like Oh, like that's your baby and I'm not it's even amazing. a parent <laughs> I'm like oh it's amazing oh child yeah. I'm so glad that you came on and Thank I think you. that this podcast episode will be really helpful for a lot of women and hopefully the men will listen to it and get educated on men vaginas and women and do your homework have a look at your vagina poke and prod it <laughs> learn about it learn about what you like and don't be ashamed yeah no. Yeah. Love no your vagina. <laughs> Embrace your vagina. Oh, <laughs> thanks, Char. That's okay. Thank you for having me. I absolutely loved recording this episode with my pal Charlotte. It was so great to have her here and talk about these things. I hope it's encouraged you all to start discussing your vaginas more openly. And anything that we discussed with regards to Charlotte's recommendations, details will be in the show notes below thanks so much for listening if you found this episode useful then please consider leaving a review on itunes it really does go a long way and i'd be super grateful you can follow us on instagram at discuss underscore podcast to keep the conversation going or show your support by sharing the podcast with a friend who you think might enjoy it too thanks again and i hope you all have a great day